They say that the average kid today is outside for four to seven minutes a day, but they're on screens for four to seven hours. And so it sort of spurred something into me. I thought, well, I wonder how long we're outside. And so we had this little adventure club that we were getting together with, you know, maybe 18 to 20 hours a week, more in the summer, you know, less in the winter. We're in Michigan. That's sort of where we were at. And it added up, uh, Zan, to be about 1,200 hours a year was exactly the amount of time that kids were on screens. It was 1,200 hours a year back in 2013 or so. It just stopped me in my tracks. Hi, you're listening to the Zan Tower Podcast. Hi, my name is Zan Tyler, and this podcast is brought to you by BJU Press Homeschool. Homeschooling is an exciting adventure we take with our children. One of the most challenging parts of this journey is choosing the curriculum you want to use. BJU Press Homeschool is a curriculum you can trust. All the books, resources, and videos have been designed with you and your child in mind. Their curriculum is educationally robust and rich, taking into account that children have different learning styles, strengths, and needs. Mom, you are in charge. BJU Press Homeschool is here to come alongside and support you. Do you need help with the teaching load or is there a subject you just don't want to teach? Their amazing video courses are available for all grades and almost every subject. BJU Press Homeschool believes that homeschooling can produce a new generation of students who know God, love their neighbors, and stand firm in their faith. For more information, go to BJUPressHomeschool.com. That's BJUPressHomeschool.com. Welcome to the Zan Tyler Podcast. I'm your host, Zan Tyler, and I'm so glad you're here for this very first episode. I've been wanting to do a podcast for a really long time, and now is just the right time. I'm doing this because I loved the 21 years I spent homeschooling my own kids, and because homeschooling works. It works academically. The test scores demonstrate it. College admissions counselors, military recruiters, and employers are actively pursuing our homeschool graduates. But more importantly, I believe that the process of homeschooling strengthens our families as we learn together, serve others together, worship together, and just have fun together. When I started homeschooling, I was threatened with jail by the state superintendent of education. I was scared and literally all alone. We didn't know one family in the world who was homeschooling at the time, and I had very little knowledge of how to homeschool. So I have dedicated my life to providing the support to moms and dads I would have given my eye teeth to have as a young homeschooling mom. Whether it's been starting state or local organizations to provide support for moms and dads, lobbying for good homeschooling laws at the local and national level, working with publishers to develop robust resources that support our faith, or speaking around the country on homeschooling, my heart's desire is to encourage, inspire, and equip you for what can be the most rewarding adventure of your life but also the most challenging adventure of your life. Each week on the Zan Tyler podcast, I'll have a different guest to inspire and encourage you. Guests like Rick Green, Ginger Hubbard, Todd Wilson, Lanissa James, and Jenny Urich. Speaking of Jenny, it's such a privilege to welcome her as my first podcast guest. Jenny is a speaker, podcaster, and author of A Thousand Hours Outside. She's funny, smart, and a ray of sunshine herself. And I think this podcast can revolutionize your homeschool life. 
I'd like to welcome my dear friend, Jenny Urich, to the podcast today. Jenny, I am so excited to have you here with us. You are so vivacious and you have such a powerful message for moms that I can't, I don't want to say too much because I can't wait to get started and have people hear your story. So I want you to start with talking about what it was like to be the mother of young children and you felt frustrated and really didn't know what to do. Yeah, I felt I felt like I was failing, you know, uh, constantly. And I wasn't really used to that. You know, I think we go through life and we're pretty competent at the things that we're competent at. And, um, you know, we all, I think, tend to gravitate toward the things that we're naturally good at. So all of a sudden I have this baby, you know. I didn't know what to do with them. And, and okay, so let me, time and <laughs> okay, let me tell everybody how smart you are. So Jenny has her BS in mathematics and her master's degree in education. And so we're talking about, a, we're talking to a smart woman here. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> but don't you feel like it's like you kind of, you tend, you kind of tend to go towards those things that, you know, it's like, oh, pretty good at math. So I got a math degree and always like teaching, you know, I was teaching from a young age in church and Sunday school and things like that and taught piano lessons from the time I was 15. So just was always in this vein of doing things that I felt comfortable doing. And then all of a sudden this little person, you know, shows up on the scene and, and I thought I had a plan, Zan, you know, it's like a lot of my friends were able to make some sort of a schedule work you know, where they had these like different time blocks. And I mean, that did not work for me at all. It didn't work for him, you know, and, um, you know, all he wanted to do was nurse and, and really wanted to be engaged with, engaged with the environment, never wanted to sleep, um, not at night, not during the day, none of the sleeping. And, and then we had three kind of right in a row where we had three under three for, for a bit of time. And, you know, I was just drowning, you know, it's like you have these insurmountable amount of needs that you can't keep up with. And, and so I felt like a failure constantly and, and I dreaded it and I loved them and I wanted to love that season. Um, but it was just too much. It was, it was too much to handle, I think for one adult and, um, you know, and I, I never really found my footing. We tried all these different programs. I was constantly sort of looking for an answer. You know, it's just like, how can I be mildly successful at this? Um, you know, but was really lost for quite a bit of time there. Okay, so what happened? What changed things for you? Well, you know, I kind of think you have stories like this, you know, sometimes where there's just one random thing and you and you look back and you think, well, what if that wouldn't have happened, you know? And I've heard you tell some real cool stories. Um, we we went to a MOPS program. So that's mothers of preschoolers through our church. And uh, and we knew we were going to homeschool uh, because I've been in the public schools. So, uh, you know, we, I've been in the junior high and the high school. So I knew that that really wasn't the place that, you know, we were going to be sending our kids. And um, and then the, the year that I got pregnant, full day kindergarten, um, kind of swept through Michigan where we live, you know, and the bus came at eight in the morning and didn't get back till 445. It was so academic heavy. So, you know, we just knew we were going to home educate. And um, I had a friend who sat at my mop's table and she was also going to homeschool. And she had one kid that was a year older than our oldest Jackson. And so she was starting to research, you know, like she was a year ahead. So she's doing all the, all the legwork here, Zan. I didn't have to do any of it. So she came to Mops one day and she says, um, 
Charlotte Mason, you know, says that we should be outside for four to six hours a day. And I didn't know who Charlotte Whoa, Mason was. Yes. You know, yes. <laughs> I didn't know. I just thought, well, that's absurd. <laughs> who does anything for four to six hours, right? You know, all these programs are 45 minutes or 30 minutes. You know, it's a lot of input for not that much output. You know, uh, it's a lot of work to get kids to a 30 minute program or 45 minute program and and so I just thought, well, this is going to crash and burn. You know, it's going to be like that 45-minute program times 10, you know, all this time. And But she asked me if I would go along with her to the to the park. Um, this was back in 2011. It's been a long time. It's been over a decade uh, for our family. And so um, we brought a picnic, a picnic lunch and a picnic blanket and spread out on the grass. And I just thought, what are these kids going to do? This is an awful idea. Um you know, but I, you know, you want to make friends too. It's hard to build friendships when you have all those little kids. They're always interrupting. And, but anyway, it turned out to be, I, I say it's the best day of my life. Josh always feels like um, I'm exaggerating, but, but really it was because it was the first good day I had as a mom. I hadn't had one yet, you know, and, um, and our oldest was three years old. You know, I'd, I'd had all these days where I struggled. And what happened was I sat on the picnic blanket you know, under the blue sky and it was beautiful out. And I had a conversation with a friend and we each had a babe in arms and, and two little ones running around. So there was four kids total and they just played. Um, and I don't even know what they did, but, but I felt like refreshed and so did they, and everyone was happier. And it was just sort of like the whole package all in one, you know, here was something that made us all feel better. And so back then we just sort of switched uh, how we were scheduling early childhood and, and kind of formed a Greta Eskridge calls it an adventure club. We didn't have a name for it, but oh, just a couple that. families. Isn't that cute? Yes, she has a that's whole book perfect. called Yeah, Adventuring Together. So that's kind of what it was. And and it was just a couple families. You know, we try and get together on the days when the weather was tolerable, because that's what Charlotte Mason says. You know, whenever the weather's tolerable, she gives that caveat for four to six hours, you know. And, uh, and really, you know, my whole life changed in one day, you know, where we went to from, I went from barely surviving to, to thriving, really. Um, and I just did it for myself at the beginning. I thought, well, if I'm happier, if I'm in a better spot, if I'm more present, then our family's going to be in a better place as well. But, but what I began to learn and have been learning about ever since continuing to learn is that when we step outside um, and, the, and the parent or the caregiver doesn't have to direct. This isn't about, you know, putting together a scavenger hunt or anything like that. It's about just stepping out and that that helps kids in every facet of their development, you know, from their cognition to their social skills, to their emotional health, to their physical well-being um, and, and to their spiritual health as well. And and it does the same thing for the parent. So you just get so much out of it. It reminded me of that verse that says his yoke is easy and his burden is light mm -hmm. because I had felt like I was carrying a very heavy burden for three years and, and then all of a sudden felt like I had, you know, a weight lifted. Okay. So let me ask you this. So I'm going to take all of my grandkids outside and their ages two to 15. Um, obviously the older ones, I mean, they're very interested in, in interesting and engaged in life, but what do I do with the two and the four-year-olds if we're out for extended time? Are they really going to figure out how to entertain themselves for that long? They do. I mean, surprisingly, they do. There is this um, 
a pediatric occupational therapist. Her name is Angela Hanscom. And there's a couple of these pediatric occupational therapists, Zan, who've written books. So they're on the front lines, sort of seeing the decline in skills of children. They have wait lists for occupational services, you know, that are a year mm -hmm. long. You can't mm -hmm. get in. So they're seeing this explosion of need. And, and Angela Hanscom, she wrote a book called Balanced and Barefoot. It's a fantastic book. I mean, I think every parent, every home should should own this book. And, um, you know, she talks about just the power of play. And um, But one of the things she says is it can take kids up to 45 minutes to develop their play scheme. So, you know, it can take a long period of time for them to figure out how they're going to play, what they're going to play. What are they going to do with their time? And so often, you know, we have these sort of uncomfortable feelings because they're whining or they're bored, you know, but if we can just sort of take a deep breath, push through it, you know, say, I believe in you. I know you're going to find something to do, that type of thing. You know, then as time passes, um, they're really pulling on their own interior resources uh, to figure out what to do. And that's good for them for the entire length of their life, you know, to learn how to draw from their own insides and, you know, and not have to rely on the stimulation of others, the stimulation of screens, which is a big thing. And, and in the long run, you know, they're going to be more creative and more innovative. I love that. I was just waiting to hear your response to that. I just remember when my boys were growing up, they lived outside and they started digging holes in our backyard because we were in a subdivision then, not the country. So before we knew it, we had all the neighborhood kids over there and they were building these underground forts and these holes. And when we decided to sell, it took us like a week to fill the holes in our backyard. But, you know, it was just a natural thing for them to do. And I've, re I've really enjoyed reliving my kids' childhood, reading your book. And so tell me where the thousand hours comes from. Well, so I think we said before, I used to be a math major and um, I had read this statistic. It's in Dr. Scott Sampson's book, but it's from the national, uh, it's called How to Raise a Wild Child. But it's also, it's from the National Wildlife Front, uh, Federation where um, they say that the average kid today is um, outside for four to seven minutes a day. So it's the Scary, average replay outside it? is four to seven minutes, but they're on screens for four to seven hours. And so it sort of um, spurred something into me. I thought, well, I wonder how long we're outside. And so we had this little adventure club that we were getting together with, you know, maybe 18 to 20 hours a week, more in the summer, you know, less in the winter. We're in Michigan. I think it would be flip-flopped if you lived, you know, uh, further south or other locations. But that's sort of where we were at. And it added up, uh, Zan, to be about 1,200 hours a year which was ex at that time was exactly the amount of time that kids were on screens. It was 1,200 hours a year back in 2013 uh, you know, or so. And it just stopped me in my tracks because mm -hmm. I could look back over that year at the depth. I mean, we have such deep friendships, Dan. I, I can't, it's really hard to even put into words these friendships that, you know, and some people have moved and some people have gone to different stages of life, but, you know, you still run into them and you have like such a, um, such deep relationships because you've had all these experiences together and, and we've laughed and we've explored and we've had all these, these moments and, and moments with our kids. And it just gave us such a full life. And I thought, well, but what if all that time had gone to screens? 
you know, not that we're anti-screen, but what an imbalance. Mm -hmm. There's so much Mm -hmm. life lived there. And in fact, when people, um, people take on this mission of, of aiming to have a thousand hours outside of time in a year, um, my favorite thing they say is I would have missed this moment, you know, if not for being intentional about getting outside. And, and that's sort of how I felt. So back in 2013 blogs were kind of all the rage and, um, and we were not running into other children. You know, we're kind of in a populated area in Metro Detroit, no children ever. You know, we were running into grandparents that were on the hiking trails, but we weren't running into kids. And so I thought, well, this has so profoundly changed my life. I'm going to call it 1,000 hours outside. It's a mission or a movement to bring back balance to childhood between real and virtual um, and to be intentional about our time in nature because, you know, generations past, society was set up in such a way that protected childhood and protected those open spaces of time where kids Mm -hmm. could dig holes in the backyard, you know, but today it's not like that. There's so much pressure, you know, to enroll in this and make sure you're not falling behind and using childhood as sort of this college application process that starts at age two Mm -hmm. or three. And so just really giving the permission to play, celebrating uh, hands-on real life. And so I called it 1,000 hours outside because it was catchier than 1,200 hours outside. <laughs> Plus, <laughs> it, a it gives people there. a little bit of grace. A little you know? wiggle room. <laughs> yes. And it goes along. You know, that Angela Hanscom, who wrote Balanced and Barefoot, she's the pediatric occupational therapist. You know, she's saying three hours a day is... Um, is sort of the ideal, the optimal for kids to be outside. And, you know, we've got five kids and, and, you know, everyone has these different situations. I mean, it's not possible to go outside for three hours every day. You've got appointments or different obligations. So we have this year-long goal where we're trying to infuse the year with hands-on real-life living, celebrating it, and modeling to our kids um, a way to, a tool that we can use uh, to strive for balance. So before we go any further, I just want to tell people what a beautiful book your thousand hours outside is and where I'm sure they can get it on Amazon. Do you have a website or any place they can get that as well? Yeah, Jenny? we have a, um, we have a full store called 1000 hoursoutside.com. And actually, Zan, I had a new book that just um, is launching right now. I'm going to show you. So we have oh, this great, activity great. book. So we have this activity book. Um, Uh, That's like this, which is a bunch of different kind of hands-on activities. But then I have this new book. It's not available quite yet, but it will be soon for pre-order. We've had it at conferences, but it's a book for parents. It's called 1,000 Hours Outside, Prioritize Nature, Reclaim Childhood, and Experience a Fuller Life. Oh, that's awesome. So when will that be available to us, Jenny? That will be available. um, I'm taking it to conferences now, and it will be available for pre-order on June 15th, and we'll be sending them out about a month later. So that's going to help, besides doing the hands-on activities that the first book was, this is going to help parents understand the theories behind it and then how to implement it, right? Right. Exactly. Okay. okay. So, all right, here's the question I have for you because I'm not sure that this is obvious to people and I think it's so important and you've addressed it a little bit, but how does time outdoors contribute to a child's well-being academically? Yeah, so that's a big one, right, Zan? Mm-hmm. And I think that's so important. Yeah. And especially for homeschoolers, you know, it's like we think about learning. I think everyone thinks about sitting, 
right? You know, we think about a pencil and a paper and a workbook, you know, getting through our curriculum. um, And that's what we think about when we think about academics. But what really changed things for me was when I read this book called Smart Moves, um, also by a pediatric occupational therapist. Her name is Carla Hannaford. She's a PhD. Uh, she's 77 years old uh, and, and talks about how she didn't learn to read Zan until she was 10. Uh, she didn't, and she said back then it didn't matter. You know, uh, what a what a world we live in if, if it didn't matter, you know, when yes. kids learn to read. Yes. You know, it doesn't have yes. to be how five. Free. It, be eight it doesn't or, have to be six. That's yeah. right. That's right. That we could still celebrate them and celebrate their individuality. So anyway, she has this fantastic book. It's called Smart Moves, Why Learning is Not All in Your Head. And one of the things that she talks about, and this is just one piece of the puzzle, but she talks about how complex movements and increasingly complex movements, so uh, dancing, you know, playing a musical instrument, these type of things, they enhance our brain function and they protect our brain function for the long haul. So she has this statistic that says um, 76% of elderly people who da- uh, elderly people who dance regularly. Elderly people who dance regularly have a 76% less chance of developing Alzheimer's or dementia. Oh, that's amazing. Isn't that huge? And so what she says is happening is that, you know, we have all these neurons, but movement is, is helping to connect the neurons and to help strengthen those connections. So we have a faster working computer up there. And so if you pay attention to children and their sort of natural inclinations, they progress from you know, um, less complicated movement to more complicated movement all the way through childhood. If we, if we step back and give them the time to do that. Now, what happens in society is they hit three and we put them in a preschool class, you know? And so we start to forget that, that they have this natural progression. So, you know, you got kids that, um, aren't, if they're neurotypical, you know, they're going to, crawl, they're going to pull up to standing, they're going to start to toddle, you know, then they're going to run, then they're going to start jumping off of things. But then that continues, you know, you talk about riding a bike, learning how to cast a fishing pole, you know, as they get older, they start to specialize and you've got grandkids that are in those age ranges. So some of them might like to mountain bike, they like to kayak, our oldest is almost 14, he loves to shoot baskets, you know, so so the kids are out there, they're playing frisbee golf, all of these things are complicated movements and, and they're constantly challenging themselves when they have the time to climb the tree, to climb a little bit higher, to climb up higher, to cartwheel, you know, to hang upside down and flip off. All these things to swing and, and jump off, you know, as high as you can get that swing to go. And this is what kids are naturally doing. And so that's, that's helping their brain uh, work faster. And so, you know, the jobs that are coming for kids, they're geared for for entrepreneurs. They say um, in 2035 that three out of four jobs will be, um, you know, had by entrepreneurs. So we need to set our kids up to have these flexible brains, right? Yes. And not stuffed with facts. And uh, so that's just one piece of it, Zan. I mean, all that movement, it sets their it sets their bodies up to for the seat work. So every with all the running and all the romping through the woods, you know, their eyes are learning how to work together. So their eyes are tracking, you know, and that's going to help them with reading and they're strengthening their shoulder girdle when they hang from the monkey bars. And that's going to help their whole arm for writing posture. There's so many things about it that, um, counterintuitively really help with academics. Yes, that's right. Because we, 
we worry as moms if our kids are outside too much because we might be neglecting some of the bookwork. But really, in effect, what you're telling us is that it is really undergirding and enhancing their academic abilities. Yeah. Yeah. So our our home education journey has been one where, you know, if my kids were out running around outside, I used to call them in for their book work. And now I flip flopped. You know, I'm like, I can I can do that book work anytime. We can do it in the evening. You know, we can do it on a rainy day. You know, we can do that anytime. But this time where they're outside and they're playing and they're being creative and they're moving their bodies, that's really worthwhile. And and so I um, I have learned to interrupt less. Oh, that's great. Okay, so I've got I've got a couple more questions for you. Um, this one really fascinates me. So so many of us in homeschooling are concerned about, you know, not only the academics, but where our kids are spiritually. So how does time in nature help our children spiritually? You know, it's interesting. Um, this is something that I've been learning about over the past couple years is that God's creation um, is a mirror of spiritual laws. You know, and and mm-hmm. he has given that to us as a gift. You know, so if we're trying to teach our kids about different spiritual concepts, like you reap what you sow, that's a big concept. And I think it's important that they know that, you know, that we have to be planting seeds. You know, we, we should have some sort of a small garden, you know, whether it's in a pot or it's on the windowsill, you know, so that kids are seeing a couple concepts. First of all, you know, you can't get around that. God says he will not be mocked. You know, you can't put in, a, you know, the radish seed and hope to get a flower. So, you know, and, and what's cool about the sprouts and the, and the seeds and, you know, they all have a different look. And, you know, and additionally, you know, you put in a seed, you know, for a zinnia, let's say, you know, you put in one seed, you're going to get 50 flowers. You know, this is this is big. So if we're sowing, if we're sowing positive things, if we're sowing love, you know, if we're sowing servanthood, you know, that's just going to blossom. And God has given us there's so many of those. He's given us the monarch, you know, or or butterfly or a moth, you know, to show that that we are a new creature. The old is Mm -hmm. gone. You know, here is something that's brand new. And so, you know, I think that as we have moved indoors as society, you know, as kids are on screens and they're not touching the real world, we're losing a lot of those lessons that God has handed to us that are right there for us to teach our kids. You know, one thing I love about this, Jenny, is that instead of just saying, put up your screens or no more screen time or 30 minutes today, you're giving them an alternative. So it's not just a no, 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 but it's a saying no to this and a yes to this other that they will fall in love with. Right. And that's, and I think that's powerful. Yeah. I think it's only going to be harder for them when they're parents, you know, I mean, screens are like in the, in the refrigerators now. Have you seen that? I've seen (laughs) refrigerators that have a screen built in. It's just, you know, and they're talking about this metaverse and, um, you know, this is, this is not retracting. It is only sort of full steam ahead. And so what, what I'm hoping is that our kids, you know, by the time they're adults, they, you know, that they have a sense that the world has something to provide them. Relationships, nature, um, you know, real living has, uh, you know, has more of a draw than the screens do. Um, so I was just looking at the FPEA program, the Florida Homeschooling Conference in Orlando, and I saw that you did a whole workshop on gardening. 
And uh, and so that's I just, did. yes, yes, it just looked fascinating. We were in Canada, but I'm so sorry I missed you there because I would have loved, loved that and loved to hear you. You're just so vivacious and energetic. Um, so, all right, let me, as we close, ask you this question. What steps can families take uh, to support um, a commitment to time outside for their children? Well, that's sort of what 1,000 Hours Outside is. We have a um, a little tracker sheet. We actually keep track of how much time we're spending outside. Oh, that's awesome. And, um, and Zan, for the first couple years, you know, people thought it was real silly, but, you know, it has spread like wildfire around the globe. Um, I think because um, it is really something that's easy to pass over. Uh, mm-hmm. It's hard to make time for it and hard to prioritize it uh, in a digital age and in an age where there's a lot of pressures to fill childhood, um, you know, with the things that like tutoring and that type of thing. And so, you know, that's really my main thing. I, um, you know, otherwise we would miss it. So we have those free sheets. They're on our website. They're real cool looking, you know, all these different designs. There's one that looks like a butterfly and all these little pieces. You color in one for every hour. People blow them up real big and put them on their wall, you know, just as a part of their childhood and in a way to celebrate. This is, this is good. You know, this is good what we're doing, but um, you know, I think I always say you need the three F's. You need food. Uh, you need a first aid kit and you need friends and, and friends make all the difference. Uh, Mm -hmm. it's it's safer, um, for one, but, but also, you know, there's some, there's camaraderie for you as the parent, but also for the kids and our kids, they're pretty resistant about going outside. You know, you would think that they're probably used to it by now, but they don't want to, but you know, if I say we're going to have some friends there, they're in every time. Uh, we're always trying to sort of look for age appropriate, cool places to go, different hikes if we can find them. Our brains are wired for, for novelty, for new things. Uh, and so either the screen is going to give it to them or I'm going to give it to them. And so, you know, we have a tall order for us, I think, as parents in this day and age, but it's also a gift uh, because yes. we're getting to adventure with our kids and we're getting to have these foundational memories that we wouldn't have had if we were just kind of shooing them out the door to play with the neighborhood kids. Now we get to go along and, um, you know, and have that for our whole family. You know, I love the fact that you shared that you're still, your children can still be resistant sometimes because I think we need to be braced for that as the parents and as the grandparents that even though we're taking them outside to have fun, they might not necessarily jump all over it every right. time we mention that. So that's, that's, that's good advice. That kind of prepares us to be a little perseverant and to know what to expect. Well, Jenny, is there anything else you want to share with us and things I might've forgotten to ask you or things that are on your heart to share with parents today? Mm. You know, it helps the kids with their social skills too, which I know if you're a new homeschooler, you know, we're always sort of uh, concerned about, but, you know, kids are learning how to work through resources and cooperate and, and collaborate, you know, uh, when they're that. playing yes. and, and they have no, um, you know, there's, there's no adult direction and, and these are lifelong skills where they're learning to assert themselves, but not too much. And, and the kids are intrinsically motivated to keep playing. They want to play. So they're going to make sure that they're not, that kid's not going to run home crying. Right. You know, they're, they're really trying to sort through that. And it's so good for their social skills as well. The benefits are just far and wide and deep. Um, I'm continuing to learn about how even just simple sunlight exposure, Zan, if you go out in the morning, 
the sun goes through your eyes right to your brain and your body releases serotonin. So let's get these homeschool families out in the morning. And not just the kids, but the moms. Moms need that. That's the the chemical that makes you feel good, right? And I think a lot of homeschool families, they fall into the... um, the schedule of, you know, using the morning to do all their book work and then the afternoon is more open. But man, we need that. We need that dose of sunshine in the morning that releases that serotonin. We have all these body processes that are dependent on the day and night cycle. And so we have to expose our eyes and, and wake our brains up. And then that serotonin, that's what turns into melatonin at night, right? So this is what gets everyone nice and sleepy at the end of the day. So uh, I'm just continuing to to learn. I'm continuing to be blown away that there's more and more and more that continues to come out, the benefit of simply stepping out the door. Well, I, okay, Jenny, I have to tell um, our listeners this because I just have never heard this before. So you've been hearing from Jenny Urich, and, and I was reading through your bios online. Jenny is not only a wonderful homeschooling parent and author, she is a thought leader in the world of nature-based play and its benefits for children. And I think it's so important that we understand the, the importance of the movement and you being a thought leader in that, I can remember as a young mom reading David Elkind's Power of Playbook, and it just changed my life because having sat in school for 16 years, I had no idea there was power in play. Right. So, Jenny, I just want to thank you for all you were doing for homeschooling and for moms everywhere to get their kids out because the more I'm convinced the more outside time the kids have, the happier they are. And you are a dose of sunshine yourself. And so all I can say is if it makes us all more like you, then we need to all get outside more. (laughs) Oh, Zan, you're so sweet. Congrats on your podcast. I'm so excited. It's so needed. Uh, You just have a wealth of information. Josh and I are always impressed with you and have been so encouraged by your journey and and, um, and all that you share and you're so open with. So thanks for having me. Well, thank you so much for being with us. And as always, it's a pleasure. Will you come back? I would love to. Okay. Thank you, Jenny. Thanks, Anne. Thank you so much for joining me today. I hope this was encouraging and inspiring for you. If you would like more information, you can find me at zantyler.com. Until next time, see you later.